72. We start on Ayin Aleph Amid Bet right after the Mishnah. Last Mishnah of the Parak. Last Mishnah dealing with all of the Avoda in the Beit HaMikdash. And it lists the difference between the Begadim that the Kohen Gadol would wear, the eight Begadim, and the Kohen Hedja would wear the four. And then you with a discussion about the Urim Vitumin. So we pick up right at the Gemara, about 15 lines from the top on Ayin Aleph Amid Bet. When the Torah says by certain begadim sheish, like you know that you shall make it with sheish um, mashzar, you should make it with you know techelas yagaman talaf shani, you know sheish mashzar. So the word sheish is interpreted in a literal sense of six. It means shisha. It means each one of the different strands mentioned there of the different colors was actually a string with, you know, of, of a six twisted screen, string, a string consisting of six, of six strings. Threads. Threads. Thank you. That's the right word. Threads. Mashzar, um, if it says mashzar, which means also like twisted, spun, then shmone. Then when it occurs by itself, not when it says sheish mashzar, as we'll see, that means still six threads. But when the word mashzar appears by itself, which is really only one, yeah. it means you'll find out. It means eight threads that are that are twisted into a into a string. Now, based on that principle, the six and the eight, here's how many strings were used, um, or you know how many you know threads were twisted into each string of the, the various garments. So. Um, the meio was a twelve twisted thread string, and we're going to write parochas esrim ba'arba. The parochas, the curtain between the kodesh and the kodesh kadoshim, was twenty four. Choshen ve'efod esrim ve'shmona, and the choshen and the efod, right, which was the choshen was with the breastplate, with the jewels. The efod um, was like the the uh, apron that was worn backwards, sort of, as what we would wear an apron. Those were twenty eight. Now, the astute people among you will realize that twenty eight is uh, not divisible um, by six or by eight. So we'll have to figure out how something that's either six threads or eight threads, you know, you know, other, you know, per different type can lead to a 28 threads by the um, by the Achoshen and the Aphod. That means that each individual thread was a composite of 28 separate strands. Right, exactly. Yeah, right, right. Now, I don't know, like, when you go ahead and you buy, you know, these, uh, like, uh, you know, um, sheets, and it says, you know, what is it, a hundred thread count or whatever, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean something like this? I have no idea what a hundred or 120 thread count means. 300 thread count. Oh, it's for square inch. So, like, how tightly packed the strings are. I see. I see. Okay, got it. Got it, got it. Okay. All right, so now we're going to unpack this. Thank you so much. Oh, that's so good. All right, so, um, okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Where do you have the idea that when it normally just says sheish, which, by the way, literally means linen, um, um, where do you have the idea that that means uh, six, you know, uh, a thread spun with six threads? So the Amar Kra, the verse says, You shall make the ketonet like the uh, tunic, six, uh, sheish, linen. That means never sheish, the half sheish, this parihamig ba'ot sheish, and the parihamig ba'ot, which is also a word for the hats, maybe one refers to the kohen gadol, the other the normal kohenim. This michnesei abad sheish, and the breeches sheish, mazar, spun linen. So it says five, michnesei abad sheish mazar. Hamisha kreitzi, but it says five. Because it says the word sheish there four times, and bad, which means linen, which is what sheish means, makes it number five. So it says the word linen five times for the five using, using the word sheish. 
So what's that coming to tell you? So Hamisha Kraikse, one to tell you it means linen, the kitten it should be made out of linen. Presumably that's the word bad, which means linen. So what's the other four times it says the word sheish? The chad, one time, say chutim kafu shishat, tell you to read sheish as the word six. That you should take you take six threads and spin it into a thread. Um, so that's not the second time it says sheish. The chad to shizurim, the other is to tell you that they should be um, that they should be um, twisted. Meaning Rashi says uh, Rashi says what's the shizurim? Uh, just just the Rashi. I guess not just that it's, I don't know how, what would be the point of saying six if it weren't that they were spun together. But anyway, somehow not just six threads, but six, six threads spun together. Um, okay. Uh, where are we? Um, uh, Shushizurin Vachad Lashari Begadim. One for a garment where it doesn't say the word Sheish, and it's not clear how many threads it would be. So it says an extra Sheish here to tell you that it's six threads. And we'll see, see in a while what that extra garment was. Okay? Vachad Lashari Begadim. Vachad Shalonim Arbehen Sheish. It doesn't say Sheish to tell you you learn from here six. Vachad Lakev. And want to tell you that any less than six, it's no good. Right? That's what we know, what we learned before, that sometimes you need things, particularly by korbanot, related things to be doubled to tell you that if you don't do it, it's no good. Okay, so, um, so, my mashma, the high shisha kitnahu. So let's start with the idea that sheish means linen. How do you know sheish means linen? So, amar aviyoseb rabbi chanina, amar krab bad. So remember, one of the five that we were counting was not the word sheish, but was the word bad. So bad is clearly means linen. How do you know bad means linen? Something that comes out from the ground, like each sort of unit by itself, individual units. What does that mean? Because linen grows from a stalk, and it does not grow from like multiple branches, like a tree. There's one central stalk, and there are little buds that come off of that stalk. So therefore, it's like each one is its own unit. And that's how we have the word bad, meaning linen. Okay, as opposed to anything else, which, you know, that would grow, would grow from branches, and would branch, and it would be, you know, multiple different, you know, sort of units. Here it's all attached to a central star. Um, the Ema Imra, maybe it means wool. Now, I don't know how wool is the same idea of a unit, but maybe so it means it's all on, here, it's all on, or I thought maybe it's all on one sheep. You know, it's not branched off, it's all connected to one body, one sheep. So the Gemara says, Imra Iftsule Mifso. So, a wool, sort of, uh, you know, the, the threads um, uh, uh, separate out. They don't stay, you know, combined. A single thread of wool untwists, um, branches out. Kitten, so, so apparently that would not be the same bod. Bod means it has to be unified. So the Mertz says, Kitten and Nami, so flax also, the strands, like, you know, uh, separate out. So the Gemara says, uh, where were we? No, kitna agav lukuse mifso. No, uh, 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 linen, uh, the strands, flax, the strands only spread, spread out when you beat it. But they don't, and, and they, you break it into separate strands. But it doesn't naturally. They're more naturally unified than wool. So somehow, again, the word bod is understood to mean linen or flax. Of course, as with all language, you know, how do you know what any word means? You have a tradition. So, okay, how do you know that the word, uh, you know, what the word ketonet means? How do you know what, you know, what, <laughs> you know, what the word semer means? So, it is funny that the Gemara has to do with etymology rather than just claim that's what the word means. Yes. It is so interesting for your kitna is related to the modern word cotton. Right. Cotton. Right. That's also a cotton feather. No. 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 The way they... The, the, the cotton in the... Um, 
in rabbinic literature is Tzemer Gefen, right. actually. Gefen, right. right. Is wool from the vine, but meaning it's like a wool-like thing that grows right. from the ground. So there's this word kitna, yeah. kitna that is fabric-related yeah. right. over... I was wondering, is there some etym- shared etymology with kitna and cotton? Right. Okay. Ravina Mamehacha. Ravina says from here, by the way, I should mention... I'm sure I mentioned before, it's not exactly relevant now, but it's worth mentioning because we did talk in the past about, you know, the avnates being shotnes, you know, wool and linen and so on. And here, wool linen is a major part of the garments. So according to the garment on Yom Kippur is all linen, right? So linen is like probably the major thread that's being used. Anyway, um, the best explanation I heard about why wool and linen is shotnes, and maybe others say it as well, but, you know, Mary Douglas and her whole thing about, uh, about purity and, right, and how, like, you, uh, how the Torah and different systems like order the world and a problem is about the crossing of the different types of categories so linen is basically the one material until modern times the one type of fabric that actually is not from the animal world but it's from the plant world right I mean again well you could say you could say uh, cotton is as well but you know again in the, the classic fabrics that they had you know whatever well, what's the only one that doesn't matter the point is wool is from the animal world and linen is from the plant world and it's the merging of the two which is a type of a shot in. but anyway alright so um, so moving on um, so that's how we know that that's talking about linen. Um, so now it says, where were we? Um, so he says from the word bad. So the, Ravina Mamehacha. Ravina says from here. Um, um, hold on. So Ravina Mamehacha. Um, I'm just sorry, I lost my place here. Imagine there's so many words for the same fact. Right. Bad, sheish. Well, so far, two. Well, Pishan, that's true. Um, so now we're going to do it with Pishan. So you have, right, that's a good point. Words. That's a good point. Yep, yep, very good point. So now in Yechezkel, which is describing the Begadim, and it says, Parei Pishtim, you, you are Rosham. So, you know, um, so uh, uh, hats of Pishtim, of, of, of linen, which we never, apparently that word we know means linen, shall be under heads. Umichnesei Pishtim, you are Masnehem. And breeches of linen shall be on their loins. So you see, the same thing that the Torah describes with the words bad and sheikh, Shecheskel describes with the word pishtim. So the Gemara says, Amalei Ravashi, so Ravashi says, Hi, Nikni Dasi Yecheskel Man Amra. Ah, yeah, that, you can say that's what we know, that it means linen, because how would we know what it meant before Yecheskel came along and used the word pishtim? So the Gemara says, Well, Taimeich, and according to you, Hadamar Avchiza, Davazem Yishar, Moshe Ben Lolaman, and Medivah Yechezkel, Ben Buzi Lamadnu. The following thing we, we don't know from the Torah, we only know from the words of Yechezkel. What thing? Any, any foreigner, either who is of uncircumcised heart, meaning that is basically a, you know, um, has rejected God, a mumar, or of uncircumcised flesh, literally uncircumcised, cannot go enter into my temple, which means that a Kohen, who is either a mumar or an arel, cannot serve. So where do we know that? So, so we didn't learn that from the Torah, we only learned from Yechezkel. So ha mikmi das Yechezkel manamra before Yechezkel showed up, whoever said it, it must have been a tradition. Yechezkel came along and gave us a pasuk, gave us a basis on a pasuk, but it nevertheless doesn't mean it wasn't true until that time. So hachanami gemara gemiri la here too. The word bad means linen. That's just something we knew. Yechezkel came along and used the word kishkim and gave us a basis on the verse. Okay, so bad means linen. The extra time it says sheish, 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 all those times. It's to tell you it with strands that are six twisted of each different type. They're twisted, you know, six threads. 
So, mashzar shmoraminol. And how do you know the word mashzar when it appears by itself without the word sheish? How do you know that that means six? Eight. So, minolan. Um, this is the only time it says the word mashzar without the word sheish. So, the only time it's going to mean eight. It says that they made the, uh, the, 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 the bottom, the hem of the, uh, tuni- of the tunic of the Kohen Gadol, not the tunic, the cloak. Rimone, uh, pomegranate. So of these different threads, right? Blue and crimson and tolat uh, shani, which is also like a type of argaman is purple. Tolat shani is crimson. Mashizar. So mashizar. So it's a, what's mashizar? It doesn't say sheish. It says mashizar. So how do you know mashizar means eight? Where do you get that from? So it's all about the question of how those pomegranates were made at the hem of the robe. So the yolim. Uh, no, tolat shani is just shani means scarlet. scarlet. Right, I said crimson. Is crimson and scarlet different? No, no that's the same. Anyway, tolat uh, is presumably just a word. Shani means scarlet, but I think it's made from a uh, the, the dye comes from a word or something. But the, it's, a, it's a hyphenated worm essentially that it just refers to scarlet. So mashazar, the yaliv mashazar mashazar mi parochas. Now, how do you get that that means eight? Because it also says by the parochet mashazar. Now the parochet is made by tchelas vergaman tolashani the sheish mashazar. So those three plus linen mashazar. So malalav esim varba. So by the parochet you have four different things, right? The three colors, right? Blue, purple, red, and linen. Those blue, purple, and red are all from wool threads and linen. And it says, and we know now that that means six of each because it says the word sheish. So that's how many threads? Four different colors, four different types. Each one six is twenty-four. Everybody with me? By the parochet, it says. Right by the parochet. Oh God, we have to like a regular repurchasing of uh, things. Uh, okay, by the parochet, it says the left like many other things. Our Gaman, the the with my cigar. Okay, the shape now, no, but it does still mean linen. Okay, so this is all, these are all wool, okay, these are all wool, and they are, right, blue, purple, red, linen, I don't know what color the linen would be, maybe it would be white, uncolored, and then the word my Now we know that these are, so four different threads, Based on sheish in general, it doesn't just mean linen. It means we know the standard based on the word sheish, etc., is times six. So this would be made out of all together. All of this would be twenty-four threads, right? Yes. Yep. Six times four, right? Or four times six, whatever. Okay. And then it says the word mashazar. So we're going to use the word mashazar to tell me whenever it says the word mashazar, we're talking about twenty-four threads. The same way here, you have twenty-four threads. Now by the pomegranates, pomegranates didn't have linen. It only had these three. But it said the word mashzar. So if it says the word mashzar, there's going to be 24 threads, but it only has these, these three. How many of each of them is it going to be? Eight. Eight. Okay. So, um, so that's what it says. The yolif, mashzar, mashzar, mi parochas, malahalan, asin ba'arba. The same by the parochas is 24 threads. Afkan, asin ba'arba, here too, 24 threads. That you divide it by the only three things that you have there, the three wool things of the different colors, it's A for each. So the Gemara says, Vinalif, um, uh, Vinalif, Machoshim, the Ephod. How about learning out 
Um, it says much czar not only by the parochet, it says much czar by the choshen and the ephod. Malan esin v'shmona, there it's going to be 28. We haven't said why now, but now take it on faith that we're going to learn over there 28 threads. Afkan esin v'shmona here too. Let's say the word much czar doesn't mean take 24 threads and divide it by 3. Maybe it means take the 28 threads that you have by the choshen and the ephod. It also says much czar and divide it by the 3. So the Gemara says no. We're going to find out that the reason the Choshen and the Eifot have 28 threads, we'll see. I t- okay? The reason, that's going to be another answer. The reason the Choshen and the Eifot have 28 and not 24 is because they have gold threads woven in together with it. So he's saying, you can't learn out from places that have gold threads. Choshen and Eifot have gold threads. So we're, not going, to, we're going to learn out from the parochas to the, to the pomegranates because it's all just normal plain fabric threads. We're not going to learn out from the Choshen and Eifot. It says gold. Gold threads are a different category. So the Gemara says, Adraba, say the opposite. Don't be begging me, beg it. I'd rather learn out the uh, you know pomegranate from a garment like the Choshen and the Eifot. Rather than learning out from the parochas, the Oelhu. That's a part of a structure. So just, it's not enough to tell me Mashazar tells me to learn from the parocha. There are too many al- other types of models. Ella, five. We won't learn from the parochas. Donime avnate. If I the avnate as well, the belt, that's also 24 threads, okay, and it says the word Mashazar. So let's learn out the Rimonim, the pomegranates from the avnate. They both say Mashazar. The avnate is 24, like we said before. And we'll apply it to the pomegranates and we'll divide 24 by 3. Beget, and now it explains why this is what we learn out from. Number one, beget, both of the things are garment, right, whether it's a pomegranate or a belt. And it doesn't have gold threads. We'll learn that out, that's the reality of the pomegranate. And we'll learn that out from the belt that also is a garment and doesn't have gold threads. And we won't learn it out from the Choshen uh, and Although they're garments, they have gold in it. So the basic answer is, Mashazar comes in other contexts where it means 24, like by the belt. We'll apply it to the pomegranates, and therefore we'll say, of the three different types of threads, each one gets eight. And we'll learn out the pomegranates from the belt, not from the Choshen and Ephod, that have 28. So Rav Mari Amar, Rav Mari says, like then, this is Michael's point, Ta'asenu. It says by the, um, by the, by the pomegranate, it says, you shall make it, um, um, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It says by the Choshen. By the Choshen, it says, you shall make it ta'asenuksi. Ta'asenu lazev lo la'acher. That don't learn out from the Choshen. The Choshen, the way it's made, is unique to the Choshen. All right, so you can't learn out from the Choshen. Ravashi amar ve'asitaksi. It says by the pomegranate, you shall make it. Okay, what does that mean? It has to be equal what you're doing. Now, and this is the problem now, that we cannot learn out from a source of 28, because 28 doesn't divide equally by 3. How should you now learn out from a model of 28, which is your alternative suggestion, and apply it to the three different types of threads that you have by the pomegranates? Make each type of thread out of 10. You know, make 10 threads for each 
for each different type. So have it with that won't get you 28, it'll get you 30. Navi Tisha, make two types of the threads, nine. Tisha Tisha, Bechadasa, and one of them, ten, that will get you 28. It all has to be equal. So we cannot learn from a model of 28 and apply it to three types because then we're not going to get an equal number for each. So therefore we have to say that we're going to learn it from the model of 24. Okay, so again, what do we have? The word sheish means six types of six of, of each type of thread. When it says mashizar by itself, which it only says once by the pomegranate, and it doesn't say shesh, we take a take where it says where it says by a twenty-four, we divide it by three, and there we get that's the one time that it's at eight of each thread, the twenty-four is divided by three in that case. Okay. So that's how the pomegranates are made out of twenty-eight threads. Now, where do we get that the garment that the uh, you know the uh, what do you call it? The um, the, uh, the 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 uh, robe of the coin gadol. How do we know that's made out of twelve threads? Right? How do you get twelve? It's only one type of thread, right? So it's all blue, kliot chelat. So that should all be that should be made be, be made out of six twisted threads. Where do you get twelve twisted threads? So minalon dechziv. The verse says, You shall make the meil, the robe uh, uh, for, for the ephod, whatever the whole robe. Pure tchelas, so you know beget shekulo tchelas. That's the meil. The yolif by tchelas tchelas mi parochas, and we learn tchelas tchelas from parochas. Okay, malhal and shisha, afkan shisha. The same way. All right, one minute. The same way the parochas is six, because it doesn't say sheish here. It obviously doesn't say sheish because there's no linen. It doesn't say mashzar. So how do we know? Let's first start with how we know that you're dealing with six. Okay, we're going to, we're trying to get to twelve, but normally we say you start with a basis of six every time it says sheish or sheish mazdar. But here it doesn't say any of those. How do you know you start with six threads that are twisted? Because it says that because because tchelas from the parochas is six. Now that's very nice. You have six. How do you get twelve? So the Gemara doesn't even tell you how to get twelve. But look at Rashi. Rashi says Khalil, the first Rashi on the top, on the Amud says Gidil. That Khalil means a braid. The Engadil Parchus Mishnayim to make a braid you need at least two. So Khalil as opposed to Kulot Chelat, pure. He says it means somehow it means the word uh, braided Chelat. So, a double thread. A double thread. So basically each single thread and each strand is six. Is six by itself because we learn from the Chelat Chelat that basically all the threads are six. Okay, and then Khalil means you take the two and you twist them together. So that's how you get. Every thread is a six twisted thread. It's two six twisted threads twisted on twisted onto each other, and is there for twelve threads in each strand. Yeah, well, that's where gedil does mean a, 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 a braid. Yeah. I'm sorry, wait. I'm sorry. We got that. How do we, how do we get the six again? Just from learning tchelas from elsewhere, we know that tchelas is six. Everywhere else, it says tchelas is about shape. Uh, this is the, sorry. This is the right? Oh, uh, what about the rimonim? Okay, we, that's uh, what the Gemara is going to say. But then we have, no, what, I'm saying, what happened to what we learned before? That About the Bimonim. The other one is that we learned that uh, every time the Sharba got the end, they don't have it. It also, we're going to get to that also. But that but that also will tell you six. Right. No, so that's not a problem. That's just a different right, way yeah. to learn it from. All right, hold off on that. First, we have to, first we're going to have to use a counterexample. How do you say Tchelet means six? We just said a minute ago that there's one example of Tchelet, which is eight, which is the uh, Rimonim. How about the hem and the and the pomegranates of the meil? That's the meil itself, 
and there we say it's funny the meal is all tchelas, but the pomegranates on the bottom are these multicolored things. So Shimona Why don't we say since the blue you use and the pomegranates that are at the hem are eight strands, here too the tchelas of the meal itself is eight strands. So it says, no, dun klimi klivein, dun klimi tashit. You le- learn one garment from another whole garment, right? You don't learn it from the pomegranates, which are just some ornamentation. You know, so garment Well, that's what the Gemara is going to say. <laughs> okay, so, adraba dun gufa mi gufa vein dun gufa mi alma. Let's learn something from itself and not learn from somewhere else. Meaning, if the very way you use the blue in the garment itself on the pomegranates is by an eight-strand string, you know, uh, eight-twisted strand, so that should be what we should assume by the garment itself. So now the Gemara says what Michael said. See, Michael, you could always write the Gemara. Fine. There's no real way to have known that the, that the treles of the Mi'il was six strands, except that we know that the generic answer is six strands. The next says the next time, Shay should tell me if you don't know, it's six strands. That's the generic Fine. And since that's true, and since the word Khalil means braided, which Gumar did not say, interestingly, took for granted, we know that it was made out of two, six twists, two strands of six twisted together, which would be strands of twelve. That would be the blue, that would be the that would be the Mi'il. So that's the line of the Brites that said the Mi'il was out of twelve strand strings. So now the Gemara says, Paroches Esrim Va'arba, so now the others, now we're going the, the brighter, right? The brighter after it gave this basic rule of six and eight, it said the Me'il was twelve, the Parochus was twenty-four, the Choshen and the Eifod were twenty-eight. So the Me'il is twelve, we just explained, two sixes twisted together. How about the Parochus being twenty-four? So the Gemara says, Parochus Esrim the Arba, Arba de Shisa, Shisa. So the, because, as I wrote on the board, there are four types of things in the parochas. Each one of them is out of six, out of, is made out of six strings. So four, four, each one out of six strings. Um, so, um, uh, I'm sorry, Arba, four different types. Shisa, Shisa, each one out of six strings. Lodina, Lodina, it's not even worth discussing. It's a great <laughs> phrase in the Gemara. Like, no judge and no judgment. Nobody, right, nobody could have any, any, there's no, it's not even worth discussing. There's no, there's no issue here. It's very clear. And we've already laid the groundwork that each type is six. There are four different types. Fine. 24. End of discussion. All right. That's how you get the parochus is 24. Now, how do you get the choshen eifot? 28. Okay. So, because the verse says, You make it like this box work, is how some explain the word Masei Choshev. Anyway, like the making of the ephod. So there, there are five different types of things. Gold, right? Um, blue, or purple, red, and linen, and gold. So that's five. So if you did five times six, you would get 30, not 28. How are we going to get 28? So, Arba de Shisa Shisa. So the four fabrics are each going to be six threads. That's going to get you your 24. Esrin the Arba. Zahav Arba. So the gold will be only four strands of gold. Where we're going to get that in a minute, we'll figure it out. But for now, keep with the math. So you have the six times four is 24, or four times six. Four different types, each of six is 24. The gold, the fifth type is a four, that gets you 28. Esrin the Tamna, that's 28. Now we're going to say, oh, that's all very lovely, but why do you know to say that the gold is four and not six? 
Zayma zav nami shisha. Let's say the gold is also out of six. So Amarav, well, okay, that's a, that's a, might be a reason, but let's first figure out how we know it. Amaravachabar Yaakov Amarkral. The verse says the kitate ptilim. When it talks about making the gold, how do you make the gold? You beat it down very very thin and you cut it into strands. That's what the Torah describes. So ptio ptilim ptio itself somehow means two, okay? Because maybe petil can also mean twisted. So to twist something, you need two of them. So petil means two threads. Ptilim is doubling it. Harekan arba. So the word ptilim suggests four strands within each group of threads that you're going to have. Vavashi Amar, Amakra, the verse says, Laso petochat cheles. To weave the gold into the cheles. Ubetoch argaman. And into the argaman. So meaning, you have four different types of things, right? You've got your blue, which is made out of six threads twisted together, your, you know, your purple, your, your red, and your linen. And then the Torah says, you take your gold and you weave it in. So within each strand of blue, there's one gold strand woven in, and each of linen, and each of red. So if there are four different types, each one of them has one gold strand. So that's how you get each thing now is a strand of not six, but seven. Okay, six of the normal color plus one of the gold. No, and that's how four times seven, you get 28. So you would have four things of six and a separate one of gold and they'd all be woven together. You would imagine though, if you do this way, the gold is going to be less obvious because it's going to be like buried within the six as opposed to if you had a six strand of four, of four things of gold and they were all woven together, it would presumably stand out more. Okay. So, now how do you want to do it? If you really want to, if you wanted to argue six, it would not be done done, it wouldn't divide equally. Navid Arba, the tray tray, have all four, have two strands of gold. Halutamnaya would be eight. Navid tray, the tray tray, the tray de chad chad. This is if you wanted to say six. So have two of the types, have two strands of gold and two have one strand of gold. Vasita, you should make it or such you call us the Shavod, it should all be equal. So if each one of the different colors of the different types is going to get some gold, so it's one each and that gives you it has to be equal, that gives you four strands of gold, but not as separate, not four twisted together, but four, one for each of the separate colors. Okay. Now we're done figuring out the number of threads, and now we get to other issues related to the Begadim. Amar Rechav, Amar Rav Yehuda. Hamakarea if you rend, tear, Bigdekuna, Loka, you get lashes, Shenemar, if you do it intentionally. As it says, Lo Yikare, it shall not be torn. Isn't that just now, by that was by the Me'il, so A, it's generalizing it, and number two, it's, it's interpreting it as a command, as a prohibition, not well, as a, not as make it strong so that it should not rip, which is exactly what the Gemara asks. Maybe this is what the Pasuk is saying. Make for the Mi'il, make a hem. To prevent it from tearing. Doesn't mean, and you shall not tear it. Okay? Or it shall not be torn. Even it shall not be torn is not really commanding a person. So the Mi'ir says, So that it should not be torn. It shall not tear. Means it's a prohibition. All right. The question still seems like a good question. I'm Rebbe Lezer. So similarly, Rebbe Lezer said, "Hamezia choshen me'al ha'efod." If somebody removes the choshen from the ephod, presumably when you're doing when the coin gadol is doing the avoda, because presumably you remove it when you're done with the avoda when you take it off. But if you remove the choshen from the ephod, um, 
Vameisir Badei Aharon, and if you remove the staves of the Aharon, Loka, you get lashes. Shenemar, the verse says, Lo Yizach, Lo Yizach HaChoshem Me'al HaEfod, that it should not move from the Efod, the breastplate. So Lo Yasuru, and it says when it speaks about the staves of the Aharon, it says you shall put them in the Aharon, and it shall not be removed. So again, reading this as a prohibition. So Maski for Yervach by Yaakov, so Yervach by Yaakov asked on this. The Dilma Kikamar Rachmana, Kikamar Rachmana. What is the Torah saying? Chadkinu, make it tight. Zavdinu Shapia and do it well. Kedeshelo Yizachvelo Yasuru, in order that it should not easily, you know, tighten the uh, breastplate to the, to, you know, to it so it doesn't slip off, and make the staffs, you know, put them in well so they don't drop off. But it does. It means how you're supposed to construct it, not that there's a prohibition. So the Gemara gives the same answer. Miksiv shelo yizach v'shelo yisur. It doesn't say do it in order that it says it shall not, which is read to mean you shall not. I mean, even there it's a question. It says it shall not, and it's being read to mean you shall not. It's being read as a prohibition. Okay. Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Chanina, Rami. Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Chanina shows a contradiction. See, one verse says the tabot haron yuavadim lo yisur mimenu that the that the in the in the uh, rings of the Aron, the staff should be, they shall not be removed from it. They see, another verse says, and the staff should be put into the rings. So it sounds like that they're not always in the rings. So, what's the story? So again, if it weren't for what we said before, you could have said, why, sort of like the Choshen and the Aphod, when you want them together, they shouldn't move. But there are times when you want them off, like when you take off the Choshen and Aphod. Maybe there are times you take all the staffs off. But when you put it there, they should be put there in a way that they stay there. That's what we would have said. But now, we're being read in like absolute terms. I mean, even in absolute terms, I've got to tell you, like the Choshen and the Aphod. When the Kohen Gadol took off his garments, the Choshen moved moved from the Aphod. So you could have said, even if there's a prohibition to remove the staffs from the hour, it means when they're positioned there, when they're, you know, as opposed to, let's say, when you're dismantling it or moving it. The Gemara is reading it in categorical ways, and let's see what the answer is. Hot Kate said, how do you reconcile it? Misparkin ve'en yishmatin. They could, they're like loose, but they don't ultimately slip out. The way Rashi explains it is it means that you've got a thin staff which fits loosely in the rings, and you have like bulbous heads to the staff. So therefore, you can like move it, okay, and maybe the, the staffs are much longer than the arrow, and sometimes when they draw it, you know, they draw it like very long. Like if you remember, yeah, we, said, right, we said it sticks out, and the whole thing, I mean, the arrow itself is not big, and like it's a 10 amos, you know, wide, and it sticks out, so they're like huge. So you could imagine that you could have them like, you know, you could pull one staff all the way out, all the way to it, you know, or, you know, if this is the staff and this is the arrow, it could be like, you know, way pulled here. So when it says, Vuvas Badab Betabaot, you know, you know, it means that you sort of, you know, you, you like, you know, you, you orient it correctly. You move it to the right place, but it's still, it's movable, but it can't come out. So you can still sort of fix it and move it, but it doesn't ultimately ever fall out. That's a really bad explanation. Yeah. Because then, you know, this is supposed to be carried, so they're going up a hill, what's going to, like, clatter back, and they're going down the hill. Then it's not easy. That's a good answer. Well, but we know that the clouds leveled all the hills, so obviously it all works together. Yeah, that is a good question. I was wondering that. Shoves it through. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when the gold was soft or something, because gold is malleable. I was also wondering, maybe, but maybe, I assume that maybe they made the rings afterwards. They made the rings, you know, they melded the rings, you know, after, you know, Around it or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just wanted to ask: Is Kriyat Beget the Avelut Zoraiker? Um, 
I mean, it's learned, right, it's learned from, yes, I mean, it, it, it's learned from, it's learned from Sukim. Well, that's why Davka, by the Kohen, it says that, you know, it says, by the Kohen Gadol, it says that he doesn't leave the Mikdash, right, and he's not Korea Begadim. So, clearly the practice, but this is, this is Big Dekuna. So, yeah, I mean, would, so according to this, if a Kohen had, uh, he would switch his garments before doing his Kriya. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, no, by the Kohen Gadol Dafka, and that's where partly where you learn from the Kriya Begadim is because it says, right, Kohen Gadol is the only one that wore that. Right. If he heard that there are relative sides for whom he was obligated to mourn, right, by the Kohen Gadol it says, right, Right? So that he doesn't do Kriya for a mace, Koin Gadol, but other Koinim do, but it would not be on their Bigidei Kuhuna. Right. Okay. So, alright. Tanya Nami Hachi, we talked similarly. Maybe it would be like tight. They couldn't move the staffs at all. You move them into, which again, apparently here now no longer means you actually place them, place it initially in, but you adjust it. Maybe you could fully remove the staffs. How do you work it out? How does it work? These parkim, they are like loose. They separate the ainish matim, but they never get fully removed. Amar Rabbi Chamer Rabbi Chanina, my dochiv. What's meant by the pasuk? Atzei shiti momdim that you shall make, you know, the mishkan uh, out of out of acacia wood standing, standing acacia wood. What does it mean, standing? So shaomdim derch de lasan. So what it means is, is that you make it the wood like you do it with the grain, not against the grain. You know, so the wood is sort of, you, you know, you use the wood the way the wood grows, rather than you, you know, you don't take the, sort of the natural way it grows and use it horizontally. Right. Or, Rashi even says, even the bottom, the way, you know, the bottom, what grew on the bottom should be at the bottom of the, uh, of the uh, pillar, and what's at, you know, what came at the top should be at the top of the pillar. Now, the biggest problem, though, by the way, is that acacia bushes, I mean, if uh, this is acacia, if this means acacia, which I was saying, are very short. And the, and the, uh, you know, and the things were 10 amot tall, which are 15 amot tall. So, you know, I mean, if you're using like a cedar, you can get something that's a log that's, you know, 15 amot. And, uh, so it's, uh, that's always a question of exactly how, how the acacia wood was, was, was used. Of acacia wood? So. Are there those that grow 10 amot tall? I think that there's a difference. Really? Someone's explained to me there was something called an Egyptian acacia. Uh-huh. I, I seem to remember in the back of my mind that there might have been. That grew, that grew that's all that right because Chazal said how did they have a case right? you know this, these, these trees in the wilderness and it said they brought them out of Egypt but the thing is in the wilderness they do grow acacia bushes except they're not ten almost tall right so these are the Egyptian acacia that do grow that tall aha okay so anyway it's the natural way which again Rashi says not only means vertical but also means the bottoms at the bottom the tops at the top Darachir Omdim standing um, by the way, you see, like, we transitioned from the Begadim, and now we're into the Mishkan, right? Because we had the whole thing with the Aron. We went to tearing the Begadim, moving the Aron, staves, and now we're in the Mishkan. There's the notion that the Kohen becomes a walking Mishkan, that there's a parallel structure. Well, right, we've been dealing with the whole Begadim, and right. the, uh, like, he's a Kli, and so on. Right. Davrachir Omdim, Shema Amidim Et Sipuyan. They keep up their, um, their, uh, the, the, uh, what do you call it, the, the plating, the gold plating. 
which means that um, you know, which means that the plating is uh, affixed very well to it. And Rashi also says that um, that the wood inside, you know, doesn't rot. So, meaning which is a chiddush, right? Because if, if it's wood, if it's wood plated with gold, you would imagine that after a period of time, the wood would rot. But no, they stay strong and they and they hold up their plating. And basically, it's a way of saying that the wood remains strong even over many years. Yeah, this is some, isn't this a uh, proscription of how to, and how to do it? Not that it's a beat up, it's a you know promise of Yeah, it's, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I don't know, but the Gemara is describing it also, right, in more of a way of, right, of, of like, of, right, of a, of a miraculous aspect to it, not exactly what you do. Dabar right. Akhir, yeah? When you said about the rings and the poles, it doesn't, it says uh, about they inserted the poles in the Right. So how could they have made the rings around the poles? Uh, uh, good point. So much for that explanation. No, but it's now saying when it says, it means you adjust. Right. right, they're interpreting the word vuvat to mean to adjust, not the initial placing in. Uh, maybe, but what does it say the first time? But the first time it does say you put it in, right? When the very first time you make it, right? right? So you're right. That's probably where Rashi does say you sque- squeeze it through. Okay? So, what? A clasp? What do you mean? The ring opened up. Oh, you opened up and you brought it in. And, okay. All right. So, so now, another explanation. Omdim. They stand firm. Shema Tomar, lest you say, Avad Sivram Ubatel Sikuyam, this is a very famous Midrash, very like poetic. They're, uh, you know, their hope has been lost, you know, and their, uh, how does it explain? Sikuy is their hope. Their promise is Their promise is lost and has and is, is nullified their hope. Meaning, the Rashi says this means after the Aron, after the Mishka, after it's been sort of hidden, you know, after it was taken away, maybe that's it, it's lost for us completely. Tamud Lomar Omdim, Shomdim Olam Ulolamim, that there are, it, it will always be there, it will return to us, or, you know, the promise of it is always there. So even when we no longer have the Mishkan, you know, by the way, even without the Korban Abayis, this part of the Mishkan, you know, the use of these, uh, of the whole, um, you know, of the whole pillars, you know, gold-plated pillars, that didn't, they, they, they did something with that at the time of the Mikdash. They stopped using it at the time of the Mikdash. So anyway, it's not just after the Korban, but the point is anyway, even though it's not around, the hope is always there. They're always there for us. Rabbi Chama Barchanina, what's meant by the Pasuk? It's Big Day Hasrad with the Reif Bachodes, the garments of Sarad to serve. What's Sarad? Sarad is like the idea of Sarid, a remnant. So what does that mean? Yomale Big Day Kuna, were it not for the Big Day Kuna, Lonishtai Misonem Shah Yisrael, Sri Upalit, nothing would be left from the Jewish people. Again, using in the euphemistic there that the enemies of the Jews, but nothing would be yet of the Jewish people. What does that mean? So if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, Gamalai Big Day Kuna, Rashi says, Shall you dehem Akwivi Makorbanos, Hamachapima Yisrael? It was only because of the Big Day Kuna and everything that they allowed for, the Korbanos, that we have survived. Now, by the way, that's quite fascinating because we've been pointing out how much of the story of the Avodah, I mean, we've been focusing totally on the Avodah, and that's completely been the, you know, the focus, but all along the way there have like, been these subtle hints about how it's, been tra- the, uh, how it's going to allow for the transition to a post-Mikdash reality. Right? Remember the focus on the vidui of the Kohen Gadol, you know, the whole idea of the brachot that he said afterwards. So there's been a little of that that's hinting about it's not just the ritual allowing us to sort of transition to the post-Mikdash reality, but here's where we're coming to sort of sum up 
all of these prakim that are about the Avodah, we're talking about the significance of the Avodah. And it was the Avodah, we're focusing on the Bigadim, we're focusing on the parts, on the Kelim of the Mikdash, and it was because of the Bigadim and because of the Avodah that allowed us to survive. So these are the garments that you would remove them complete from their frame when you would be weaving them you, you wouldn't have to do like stitching afterwards it would be woven in such an amazing way you would take it off of the frame and the sleeves would be done and the, everything would be to the right shape it would not need any it would be woven perfectly it would not need any stitching afterwards to make it so what's the word srad um, and you'd leave a little bit over after it was removed from the frame and that little bit you will stitch what's that little bit Mighty, what is that? This is a little stitching, you know, a little stitching, decorative stitching you do at the end. You leave a little hem over, as we'll find out. But basically, the whole thing was done with only a tiny bit that needed to be finished after it was removed. And that's the word srad. Yeah, so that's the question. That's what Rashi and the Thomas tries to figure out. That why are they being? It seems like it's something different than the big day kuna. Rashi and the Chumash says that it was actually the garments that they used or the cloth that they, that they used to pack the uh, the kalim in. Here it's being understood. I don't know. Here it's being understood as big day kuna. So the Gemara says, May fail after on this, that the Bikdei Kuna, you did not do any needlework, it was all woven exactly the way it needed to be. No, you're right. So the only a little bit thing was, was stitched, which was not really essential, which was like the, uh, the hems or the uh, cuffs. Like we talk in the Brisa, that they would actually make the cuffs, they would make them separately, they would weave them separately, and that they would stitch to get onto the baguette. So that's the srat, only a little thing was left to be stitched. And would come until the, like, until the uh, palm of the hand. Going back to, again, moving back and forth between the Bagadim and the Kalim, Betzalel uh, made three Aronot. Now, this is not to solve various problems in the Psukim that the Gemara has done before, which is two Aronot, right, which is like one that they went to war with and one that they kept in the Mikdash, one with the Shivrei Luchos, one with the Luchos. That's like another discussion. This is all talking about the one Aron that they made. It was made by taking like a type of a, like a, what are those called? The uh, Russian things? With the thing of the, the what? Yeah, the nesting dolls, exactly. So this was like nesting boxes, okay, is how he made it. Rather than saying you took a piece of, a box of wood and you actually like, you you know, you know, laminated. you know, laminated it with gold, right? Put like molten gold over it, and it sort of cleaves to it. What he actually did was he made three separate boxes: a box of gold, a box of wood, and a box of gold. The way you, the way you coated it with gold was by putting boxes on the inside and outside. Okay. So, um, and Soisho eight. The middle one was of wood. Tisha nine tfachim, because the Torah says that it should be a ama and a half, which is nine tfachim. So nine tfachim was the inner one. Pnini Shozahav, the middle one, the one on the inside, Shimon was eight fachi because basically the thickness of the base was a tefach. So if you've got here, so if you've got this is nine, right? The first says you do you do a tef- you do it whatever you do it um, a new. Uh, this is the wood. You do it not. You do it an arm and a half. So if the box has some thickness here, right, because it's thick or whatever, 
right? So the thickness of the base here is one tefa, so it's nine on the outside, but on the inside it's eight. So the gold one now that's going to go on the inside is going to be right eight. Well, okay. you mean it doesn't have a thickness? Well, right. I mean, it's certainly eight for the outside. We're measuring the outside okay. dimension. Okay? So the one on the inside was eight. Okay? Um, where were we? I'm sorry, Tisha Pnimi Shazav Shmona. Pnimi Shazav Shmona. Chitzon Asara Umasho. The outer one was ten and a bit. So the outer one is going to also be very thin. I mean, you know, it's gold. You don't want to make a thick type of gold thing. That's a lot of gold. So it's very thin. So it's basically, but what we're going to see is it's an extra tefah here. It's nine plus one because this extra tefah is now where you're going to put the kaporet. Okay, right. So now you have basically this is all level. A, a, a little piece of gold is sticking out, and you fit the kaporet onto it. Okay, well, that's, that's how you do now. So that's ten, but there needs to be a little thickness at the bottom. So that's the mashiro. Okay, that's the mashiro. Well, you need more than that too, don't you? Because you have a there. Oh, well, we're not up to this there yet. Okay, so it's not clear in the show you have a there. Okay, let's take a look. There's the harvest by the shocha. Okay, so the gemara says like this: Vatanya. Okay, echada sar mashu. We have another version that says the outer one was eleven and a bit. Lo kasha hakamanda ma yeshbav yiftefach hakamanda ma einbav yiftefach. So the difference would be whether you thought that there was a thickness to the base. This is the whole thing very thin. That's ten and a mashahu. If you think that this is that the bottom is also a tefah thick, that's a lot okay, of gold. that's a lot of gold. That's eleven. Now what's the mashahu? So the mashahu then is a mashahu up here, and that is what Michael said. That's a little extra thing that sticks out even above the kaporet, which is called which is a zair, which is like a crown. The Torah mentions a crown by the shochan. It doesn't mention it by the arrows. Okay, so the Gemara says umay mashahu. So then, according to this approach, that the bottom is a tefach. What's the extra mashahu? Zir. That's for a little crown. I'm going to be Yochanan. Says Rabbi Yochanan. Shlosha zirim heim. There's three crowns. Shal mizbeach, shal aron, shal shochan. Somebody will immediately note that this corresponds to a famous mission in Pirkei Avos. The uh, uh, a crown on the altar, a little extra thing sticking out on the altar, like as a sort of a little edge and a crown, and on the aron and on the shochan. The shochan is where it's explicit in the Torah. Shomiz Beach represents the crown of Kihuna, the offering of the sacrifices. Zocha Aaron. Aaron was Zocha to it. Vinatlo, and he took to that crown. Shel Shuchan, which is like the idea of, you know, of the Shuchan is about like prosperity and wealth and whatever. So that's about kingship. Zocha Davi, that's the crown of Kihuna. That's interesting. Figuratively, okay, right? figuratively. What? Figuratively. figuratively. He didn't come and taste strip off the crown, right? That means the crown of Malchus was taken by Beis David. The Nutwell. So our own, the crown of the our own, a dying Munah. It's waiting there. So anybody can come and take it. It's a, basically a play on the Pirkei Avot, right? You know, it's available for everybody. It's not, yeah, we're not dealing with the Keser Shemta. So the, anyway, the, the other two are inherited. This is available for all. Maybe you'll say that, oh, it's like the least significant. Okay, anybody can take it. Exactly. It's available to all. Mishle, the Torah is being like, you know, anthropomorphized and the Torah is saying, through me, kings will get their kingship. So, through the, the, the Torah, through the Torah comes the other crowns. So, clearly the Torah is greater. With Yochanan Rabbi, 
Sanerid Asan. So that was a little connecting it to, by the way, I should point out, so notice again, although all of this is a focus on Mikdash and Kahonim and the Big Dekun, as I've been saying, even here, you get the little thing, ah, but Torah is the most important. Right? So even within all of this, even with all that we've been learning in Yom and all this emphasis and how critical this is, you're always getting this voice that's transitioning us to the post-Mikdash reality. You literally that you know, maybe these Kalim had a there? No, they did, but they're also figurative. So you said there was only mentioned by the Yeah, but we're saying that it existed by the others as well. So and now there's... What? Only mentioned by the Shulchan. Shema Tomar... Okay, we just did it. Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi sees there, the Karinan Zir. Now, I don't know what that means. I didn't see any of them from saying we do read it there. There is a Habsaviv. I don't know who reads it there. Zir, Manosiatko says something. Zacha nasas lo zir. If your merit, it becomes a zir, which is a crown. Lo zacha. If you don't merit, zarahimenu. It removes itself from. Who is it here? Is it's written like zar. Zar. So zarahimenu. There. I don't know why a yud makes it there, but anyway, no, fine. Fine to make it different. Fine. We read it there as a crown, but it could be written as a foreigner because if you don't merit then it becomes foreign from you. Um, and um, Rabbi Yochanan Rami, which means, like, again, we'll see how that ties in. Like, if you misuse Torah, it becomes a negative. Oh, it's uh, not, maybe it's not how it's written, it's how it's pronounced. It's pronounced, pronounced. It's but it's pronounced, the it's Yud doesn't mean zir, it's pronounced it's there. there. It's right. 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 Not by the primary tivoy of the Mishkan, but anyway, it's in the singular to Moshe, way in Dvarim. in the beginning of Truma. So why is it plural or singular? So Mikan Very nice. Moshe was supposed to do it, but he's a Talmud Chacham, so you get other people to do it for you. That's, that's a real. That's a real expansion on the advice that Yisro gave Moshe in this last week's parsha. Get other people to do your work for you. Okay. Um, you shall coat it on the inside and the outside. Now notice again the swift, the, the immediate shift now. It's all, the Aron is now all about Torah, right? The move from the ritual of the Mikdash, and now it's all symbolizing Torah, right? So you got the Keter Torah, you got people doing the work for the Tamid Chachamim, and now what's the gold? So, if your inside is not like your outside, right, if you're not coated, if you just are gold on the outside, but you're not gold on the inside, you are not really a Torah sage, you have to be inside and outside. Okay, Amar Baye, Nikra Nikav. Not only are you not a Tamil Chacham, ah, so you're all right, I'm not the greatest, I'm not, I'm not so sincere. No, you are despised. Shenemar, Afti, what? Losam. Afti means Avinelach, even is despised and losam. Ishotek Himayim Avla. A person who drinks like water, water being Torah, but it's a perversion. He's not really being truthful. What's meant by the verse? What is this purchase in the hand of a foolish person trying to purchase wisdom and does not have a heart? Woe to the enemies of the sages, meaning woe to the sages, or the students of the sages. Woe to the Torah students. They learn Torah. So lev ayin means it doesn't go into their heart. Meaning that it's all about the head, the intellect, the chachma. But v'leiv ayin, it doesn't go into the heart, and it doesn't lead to any religiosity and any fear of God. So that's that's a terrible thing. So now it's not just about the intellectual pursuit of Torah. Machri Zerv Yana, Rev Yana announced 
Chaval al dulefle darta. Woe to the person that does not have a yard. The travel darta avid, and he makes for himself a gate for the yard. Torah is supposed to be a gateway to you know to avodas Hashem, to yiras Hashem. And you, if you focus on the gate and you don't make it for yourself the yard, and you have no yira, no real connection to God, then what then the whole then what good is the whole thing? Very powerful statement. Mm-hmm. So the rabbi said to the rabbis, please, like, do me a favor. Don't, don't inherit two Gehenim. Like, you've made your life miserable enough in this world by denying things in order to study Torah. If you're insincere about it and it doesn't lead to your Shemayim, you're not going to get Olam Haba either. So don't, you know, as long as, you, <laughs> don't make it, you know, as long as you're giving up the sacrifice, you better make it worth it. I'm going to have Yoshua ben Levi. My decree, what's meant by the positive? Zos HaTorah Sam Moshe that Moshe placed. The word Sam, what's the word Sam? Zocha Nasis Lo Sam Chayim. If you merit, the Torah becomes a potion of life. Lo Zocha Nasis Lo Sam Nisa. If you don't merit, you misuse Torah, you're not sincere, you do it, you know, you use it as a means of getting other things, you're not, you do, you're, you're not, you know, you're doing it maybe, you know, as a way of, 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 of attacking it. Different explain, explanations what the Lo Zocha means. Anyway, it becomes a poison. Sam, Sam, the word place. Sam, the Hainu Rava. So that's what Rava says. Sam the one who is expert with it, you know, deals with it correctly. It becomes a potion of life. The low umanla, one who does not deal with it correctly, suman demosa, the potion of death. Artfully. Artfully, thank you. Amr Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Reb Yonasan, Rami. Reb Yonasan, we got wrapping this up. Shows the contradiction. Steve, it says, Kudei Hashem Yeshar Misam Chelei. God's commandments are straight. They, they give joy to the heart. The words of God are like a blasting furnace, are pure, but it means to blast the furnace could also be to destroy. If you merit, it gives you joy. If you don't, it, you know, it sort of, it, uh, it, uh, what do you call that? Smelts you. So, you can get it all from the same process. If you merit, then it smelts you, it gets out the impurities, and it brings you to life. Lozach, if you don't merit, so for so many it just burns you up. Okay. Yeraz Hashem Torah Omenis La'ad. So God, it, it, it fears pure. Amr Rabbi Chanina, Zeh Lomi Torah B'Tahara. That means that even when, so Yeraz Hashem now is, is being associated with Talmud Torah. We learned Talmud Torah is about Yeraz Hashem, but it has to be also with purity. How is it with purity? Mahi, no se'ish avachach lomei Torah. Get, you know, that the, in order that, the, again, assuming obviously it's the men, should not be preoccupied with sexual thoughts, be married, and then you'll have an outlet for your sexual thoughts and desires, and then you'll be pure to learn Torah. Edus Hashem ne'emana, the testimonies of God are trustworthy. It gives testimony, it can be trusted to testify those that learn it. You can see by the people that learn it, you know, by their, by their appearance, by the way they present themselves, how much is their learning really going into their hearts and making them good people or not. So last point, um, so you know we'll end here because uh, we'll, we'll, so we'll, we'll pick up with this tomorrow. One last point about the about the uh, about the garments and the um, and the the woven stuff in the mikdash, and then to move on. So